Welcome back to Ravens Recap, where the Ravens went and got another W over the weekend. The Ravens have now not had a loss in the regular season since the last week of last NFL week of September back in last year. Guys just continue to go on this hot streak, and you know, there were some improvements on some things that we marked as you know needed to fix after week one. Some other things that still the Ravens need to work on as they prepare for Kansas City, but we're going to talk about all that. Yeah, overall, it's a good win, but I think it would not be fair as us as people who try to cover this team with uh, critique and with a, a deeper eye not to have some criticisms of how the game went and try to figure out ways we can improve. I mean, obviously, we're very excited that we beat the Cleveland Browns and now the Houston Texans. Both two teams that have potential to do some big things this year. But as we focus on trying to get that third win in a row against the Chiefs, definitely the number one game in this season's lineup, we want to look at where we could improve and also uh, what went well this game. So definitely, like, it's, it's hard to look at the score sheet and say, oh, the Ravens stomped on them, right? Like, overall, we stomped on them. But we got to look at the pros and cons of this game. We can't just be like, oh, they won. That's great. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and the other thing to, to take away as well as kind of an additional point here is that I think at this point, a lot of news sources and um, sports analysts have the Ravens in the top three. Uh, many of them have the Ravens now as like the number one team in the NFL. But the crazy thing is, is, is just that there's so much to talk about things that aren't up to the level of, of a standard that we've, you know, set from how well the Ravens did last year. It's, it's amazing that there's still like so much to talk about. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I think a lot of, you know, people around the league are still seeing the Ravens as like one of the top teams in the NFL. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff that we can be proud of. And then, yeah, some other stuff that uh, we should talk about. First thing I think we should talk about, let's talk about the offense. I, I think some good things that we should talk about first. So one, um, Lamar continues to have very good numbers passing, uh, being very efficient with the football, having a high completion percentage, making throws that I think we would have expected some of these throws last year, but I think he's kind of approached it from like a different level now. It's just the the completion percentage has gone up. The variety of passes have gone up. The targets that he's throwing to, I think, has gone up. Less of it are, you know, design you know throws to to tight ends or to running backs to you know throws that you would expect to see out of a Lamar Jackson offense in 2019 uh in 2020 I think he's just taken it to a whole different level and it's been really great to see yeah I definitely agree with that and you know I think you saw some of that definitely on some throws to Hollywood Brown this week and it wasn't just the throws that he was making but just also his presence in the pocket I'm sure we'll, we'll get to talking about the offensive line but There were several times in the game last week where Lamar was under duress, and he did take a couple sacks. Um, Some of them may have been because he was holding on to the ball too long, but there were also a lot of times where he was able to evade the defenders and make a a positive play out of it, something that uh, his counterpart across the field on the opposite side of the ball, Deshaun (laughs) Watson, had much more of a struggle uh, doing. So, (laughs) Peter, we got to talk about Lamar Jackson. This guy on third down... This season has been 10 for 13, 151 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, with a rating of 154.2. 
I think it goes without saying, Lamar Jackson has been playing out of his mind. I understand, we all watched it on primetime last night, that Russell Wilson has been playing great as well. But Lamar Jackson needs to be in the conversation. He's doing what he did last year all over again. Oh, I mean, and doing it better, right? I mean, he's you know, right. definitely advanced in, in some ways as a passer. I mean, I, I think he's he's taken a, a step up as a passer, which is, you know, what a lot of us were talking about last year of, you know, him making the next step. It's like, okay, well, you know, he's set the uh, single season rushing record for a quarterback and he set, you know, all these records like being a rush first quarterback were like, well, okay, how do you go from the next year? What well, has to become a better passer? There are a lot of throws that he didn't make to the same uh, level last year that he's starting to make this year. So it's it's been absolutely huge. And, uh, you know, kind of with this too, you know, I, I just want to piggyback off of this. Of Another thing that's been really great to see, and we kind of talked about this last year, is um, seeing some of these other targets step up. So, I mean, we talked about Hollywood. I know, Peter, you mentioned him, and, and he's had a lot more of a uh, target share, I think, this year. Definitely because of his, his health has improved. He's got the screw out of his foot. He looks a lot faster. He's not only taking the top off of defense, but he's he's doing a lot for these underneath passes, comeback routes, different things like that. And you could definitely see that in the Texans game. But the other two guys who I think have been really good surprises these first two weeks uh, are Miles Boykin and and even uh, Devin Duvernay, I think, has, uh, has had some positive impact, although to a lesser extent. I just want to go back to Boykin for a second, but I, I think he's really stepping up as a, as a good target for Lamar to have. I mean, this... Texans game, I think he had, I think four or five catches, and some of them were were chain movers, were you know very good, kind of like underneath routes of keeping the drives going. It was really really encouraging to see after last year of of him just you know kind of sparingly being used and, and mostly as a, a receiver blocking, uh, but this year is is definitely getting a lot more targets and and he's making the most of it. I'm calling it right now. The boy can break out is real. If you're in a deeper league and fantasy, go ahead and snatch him now as a sleeper pick. Because if you wait one or two weeks longer, it might be too late. I do believe that Boykin is making his breakout. It's a little slow just because we don't have that many touches. Lamar is so good about spraying the ball around and you know spraying like peanut butter across all his targets in the offense that we're not seeing a huge concentration. But every time that his number is called, he makes a good catch. He's been making great blocks. He's going to find his way on the field and have the opportunity. I'm telling you guys, I think Boykin's on the breakout. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, he there was obviously he'd love to have that play back at the end of the first half in week one where the uh, potential touchdown went off his fingertips. But I think his hands already look much improved than uh, they were last year, which was a little bit of an issue for him. And it's good to see, even as he's getting a bigger target share in the offense, he's still taking his blocking role really seriously. Uh, he had an excellent downfield block on uh, Mark Andrews one catch of the day yes. um, certainly helped him get an additional five to 10 yards on that slant. And he probably made other blocks too. I'll, I'll admit I wasn't paying too close of an eye on the wide receiver blocking on Sunday, but Boykin is making some good positive strides so far in these first two games. Yeah. I think he's, he's definitely been that safety blanket. You know, I, I know uh, Mark Andrews has usually been that guy for Lamar to look to, but there've been a handful of passes. And I think there was one during the Texans game where you know he was just running like a sort of a shallow cross and and he's in the eyes of of the quarterback and so Lamar is just being able to find him and then you know uh, Boykin's able to turn up field and, and get a couple of yards so it's definitely great to see him in a role like that yeah I think his play is just demanding more and more snaps 
and that's good to see as a Ravens fan. You know, as we've continued to watch you know, the second game, Duvernay, when he his number gets called, he makes production, but he's just not getting that many opportunities. And I don't think it's a fault necessarily of Duvernay. I think it's more so to say the packages and personnel around him are demanding that they get touches. And I'm hoping Duvernay sees his way to the field more because I think he's the electric third option that really like opens up the whole offense. But it's not necessarily... I don't think he's done anything wrong in his time that we've seen. It's just that Sneed, Boykin, Hollywood, Mark Andrews, the big three in the backfield that we'll talk about soon, like they're all demanding time. And you like add them all up, you add Lamar, and you add a line, and you're like, we, we can't play them all every down. Yeah, I mean, I think especially as you see in these first two games where the pace of the game really hasn't necessitated the Ravens to to have to throw the ball much. I mean, DeMar Jackson had 25 pass attempts in week one, one less than that on Sunday. So, yeah, it's only so many targets to go around. And uh, I think it's going to be when you have an offense with this many good skill positions, uh, a different guy is going to be going to be featured every every week it looks like um you know mark andrews had a huge game in week one and then this week was a big game for mark ingram and uh gus the bus so with all this talent you have it's so weird saying this from a ravens offense that you have all these guys that have to have the ball it's it's not like you know right. we're trying to make a case for demetrius williams to to get you know more targets it's these guys are actually really good and <laughs> right it's just there's there's only so many time so many downs to play him. <laughs> there will come a time the Ravens are behind and they need them all, right? And that's where we have to be thankful we have them. But right now we get to play this creative offense that just is about killing time, being very efficient, and going down the field. There'll be a time. They'll they'll find their time, I'm sure. There'll be a game or two this year where we need the offensive production. We need to go into these kind of schemes. But right now we just get to enjoy the fact that we have a plethora of riches. Yeah, and I I'm I'm actually I'm really excited. There was there was one play I, I you'll you guys will have to remind me if if uh, if this play sounds familiar. But there was one play that got me really excited about uh, the wrinkles. I think that Greg Roman is looking to add into the offense with uh, Duvernay, and I think it was a uh, it was like a reverse screen. And so Lamar was coming back, and I think he faked to the right. Duvernay was over to the right, and then he ended up throwing left to Ingram, and then Ingram ran for about 19 or 20 yards, and. When I looked at that play live, I noticed like one thing really quickly of it didn't look like the Texans were buying that Duvernay was actually going to get the ball. I think they were very focused on trying to get Lamar down um, that, you know, obviously he slipped it to Ingram and then Ingram was fortunately able to get all those yards and, and pick up the first down. But a play like that makes me really excited because I know that, you know, Lamar's a proven commodity. Ingram is a proven commodity. And so with a guy like Duvernay who really only has a couple of snaps, like that play is destined to come back and we're going to dump it off to him and he's going to go pick up like 30, 40 yards, maybe score a touchdown. And it, it wasn't this week, but I just have a feeling that that play like that is going to come back and it's going to bite another team who's not prepared for it. Yeah, I think you're on the money, dude. This is just the beginning of this offense. And it's very exciting to see that these players are evolving, right? We talked about in the off season, we said, if this guy makes a step, if this guy makes a step, this is going to be really exciting. You know, we lost Hayden Hurst. We lost Marshall Nanda. But if these guys make a step, we'll be able to get the production we want. I think we're seeing from a skill position perspective, we're having a plethora of riches. We're having way more success than we had in previous years, even last year, right? 
it's really the interior offensive line that I'm drawing the most concerns about. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, to start out with the positive, you rewatched the film. Bradley Bozeman is, is still playing at a very high level. He's picking up where he left off last year, especially in the run game. But the, he, he had some pretty good pass protection on Sunday as well. But yeah, recently, you know, recovered from knee injury, Matt Skura, and then uh, Tyree Phillips really struggling. And that was where you saw the majority of the, the breakdowns in protection in the passing game come on Sunday. And it wasn't just Watt. I mean, Watt, you knew he was going to get back there and get a couple sacks, but there were other guys they were letting in as well, and not as many clean pockets as you would like to see for Lamar. I feel like most of Watt's pressures, unfortunately, came against uh, Orlando Brown. I saw him get two sacks against Orlando Brown. But, you know, you take those plays out, and you have to say, Skura and, and Tyree Phillips, they really struggled. And I saw a couple times that Tyree Phillips just like didn't find work for himself. He like did a swing out once and he like ran right by the guy who ended up tackling the running back. Right? You can't have that. <laughs> right. You had uh a couple times where they got bull rushed and you saw him go back five yards, right? Like they just got completely overwhelmed. Uh him and Skura both. And that calls a pressure event, sometimes a sack. And those were the plays where I would say on run blocking, they did great. No problems. But the pass pro is the really big sore spot right now with the Ravens. And I, I saw both of them get blown up a couple times. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it definitely been a little concerning. I, I'd say the, the silver lining for me here is is that still it's, it's fairly early on the season. Um, so there is time for Skura to get healthy. There's time for Phillips to uh, step up. Uh, I mean, he is a rookie. So you can't expect a guy to to come in and just replace a Hall of Famer like Marshall Yanda and, and just you know be g- great to go uh, immediately, especially a third round pick. I mean, it, it would be one thing if he was a first round pick, and and uh, you know that would be something different. So uh, there is that. The the other thing I also kind of look at too is that you know all things considered, I do think that the Browns and the Texans both have pretty good front sevens. Um, I mean, you, you're. <laughs> you're not going to get too many uh, lines who are more challenging than like Miles Garrett and JJ Watt. I mean, both those guys are just monsters. I'd say the, the fortunate thing this year too, is that we don't have to play the 49ers in the regular season. Um, <laughs> and the other fortunate thing is that it looks like they're going to have some guys who are going to be out for a while. Yeah. They're broken anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so really, I mean, I think having these tests early is definitely a good thing. You know, I think moving forward, you know, the Steelers are definitely another team that we're going to have to be very concerned about, especially now that they're playing a lot better uh, with Roethlisberger being healthy. So, um, you know, there's still time as long as the Ravens keep winning and, you know, there's no injuries. I would say that I would continue the experiment. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's definitely something I think the coaching staff is probably going to take a look at. And if they see things getting worse, uh, you know, there might be a uh, reason to make a change, you know, put in someone like powers or, or somebody in there. Um, you know, I, I don't know, maybe they put in McCary instead of Skura, but yeah, I, I feel like Skura might have a little bit more leeway than a guy like Phillips. It's key for you to mention that like, we're obviously not at practices. We're not seeing the most recent film of these guys other than game day. Obviously, McCarry came in for two plays, and they were both very positive, and McCarry had actually influential blocks on them. But from that, can I say, like, McCarry must be our starting center? Not really, 
But what I am saying is maybe the Ravens should be considering it. And if I'm saying it, I'm sure they are, right? Like, obviously, we saw what McCarry did last year. We saw what he's been able to do so far this year. There's a possibility that he might be the better option at center right now. It's a difficult line to walk as the Ravens with Skur in his contract year. And, you know, obviously, if he didn't have that huge injury, they'd probably be huge believers. He was having a great start of the year. It's it's complicated. And then you have a guy like Tyree Phillips. You bring him in, third round pick, probably trying to be that player. They probably draft him to be that player that they're starting him as. And he's having some struggles. He's at, he's proven that he's a first-year player. And in the limited snaps I saw of Powers, he didn't do those kind of things. But also, it was very limited snaps. It was last year. Who knows what the status is now, right? So it, it, for me, as a, a watcher, I'm just saying, yeah, I could see if they're considering it. And if they did it, I would not be surprised. But we don't have the insights of preseason and seeing like multiple snaps against real players. We don't have the insight of the preseason and just like, you know, beat writers having more time with them. It's just we don't know. Yeah, you bring up a great point with, you know, we're making these these assumptions and, and these ideas of, of what the Ravens could do to kind of mix up the scheme or the player personnel who's out there. We have an idea, but we only have so much of a window into it. Um, we just have to trust the coaching staff knows who the best guys are and in, in the right places and that there is a plan there, which there likely is, given how good this coaching staff is. You know, maybe maybe Powers and McCary are the answer, but maybe there is also a reason that Skur and Phillips are the guys in there. It just kind of kind of reminds me of, you know, I, I think the biggest uh, example I can give of fans of us thinking we knew better than the coaching staff was uh, early 2016 season. It may have been, gosh, who was that cornerback who kept getting beat that early? He had a good week one against Buffalo and then just fell off the map. And every the Ravens fans were like, oh, why isn't uh, Will Davis coming in? Will Davis is, he does well in, in his, his role when he's out there. He should come in and he should take over for this guy. And I'm pretty sure Dean Pease like kind of like said to the media, like you guys don't have all the access to practice. And like, you know, <laughs> we've put the guys who are out there on the field are out there for the reasons, you know, for a reason. And then there came that game against the Giants where, uh, Jimmy Smith went down and Will Davis, who we were all trumpeting to supplant the struggling cornerback, came in and OBJ just lit him up. And I, I don't remember what happened to Will Davis after that. He was not <laughs> very good. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think that McCarry and Powers will be will can certainly give the Ravens, you know, at least the production that they're seeing right now if a change is, is needed. But yeah, again, like you said. We we only have a limited amount of data to go off of. Oh, are you talking about Sharice, right? Is that the guy you're thinking of? Yes. Yeah, Jimmy Smith's old teammate. I had to look up the roster here. It took me all the way to he's all the way at the bottom. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a it's a great point, Peter. You know, I, I think well, you know, at this point, you know, like like I said, I mean the Ravens keep winning uh, as long as nobody's getting injured. You know, I think uh, the coaching staff has, you know, earned the right to kind of roll with who we got, and uh, you know, we'll see if we make a change. You know, if if anything gets any worse, I will say, you know, to the O-line's credit, a little bit earlier in the game when it was closer, it was a little rough. Um, they did struggle in pass protection, but as the game wore on, we definitely started to see some of the 2019 Ravens offense. That fourth quarter, man, they did a heck of a job uh, blocking for Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram and even Dobbins at the end there. Unfortunately, we, we were this close. 
to them getting that second touchdown, and then I would have gotten my bold prediction for the week, but they still ran over the Texans for about 230 yards at the end of the day, and a lot of those came in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, I mean, we haven't even talked about that fourth and one play, the direct snap to Ingram, which was a, I don't know about you guys, was one of like the ballsiest calls I've ever seen. Like that was just shows the level of confidence that the Ravens are playing right now, that they didn't even need Lamar Jackson, who was like the centerpiece to their whole rushing offense. They didn't even need him. He was out wide. It was like Joe Flacco being out there on an (laughs) island, right? The ball's not coming over there. They just ran it direct in Ingram, and he ran all the way for a touchdown. It was just absolutely amazing. Love that call. Yeah. It was so gutsy. Well, they bailed out, right? Like When it's a fourth and one, they're just trying to stop the fourth part, right? They don't want it to become a first down. The problem is when you run that kind of defense, it takes one or two good blocks, and you spring it, right? And Ingram showed that he's on old man. He sprung. He got the second fastest speed of the day, and he got in the end zone, right? And he started doing uh, cry, you know, chops towards the uh, the sidelines, and now there's a whole t-shirt you can buy if you're so inclined, right? <laughs> so, I mean, that was the, uh, that was a huge play. It was funny, because I'm over here, we're watching the game, me and Rachel together, and I'm trying to teach her football, right? I'm trying to, like, teach her downs and and the personnel and everything and i found out the ravens are a really hard team to teach to because they do a lot of unique things and that was a, a classic play where i'm just like i can't even describe this right now you know we have <laughs> the quarterback out wide we have the tailback getting direct snap like that's not a real thing you don't see that often right and he just blasts off gets a touchdown it's those kind of traditional plays you bring him a carry as a uh you know uh a, a receiver right he has a be eligible to catch the ball and things like that. You don't see that too often in the NFL. And they were able to pull out that play, execute it with precision and get a touchdown. Yeah, I, it was excellent play design. Part of me wonders if maybe you save that play for a game that's a little uh, more competitive. Um, now you have that out on film. But at the same time, it was the game wasn't completely uh, won. So... Yeah, that was the kill shot. Yeah. Right. Like, they use it for a kill shot, and I think it's a fair play. I will. I would like to talk about, though, the running back share. So it's, it's kind of interesting, right? If you look at the snap count, Edwards and J.K. Dobbins had the very similar amount of snaps. The difference was usage. Whenever um, Edwards was out there, he, he got the ball over half the time, where with uh, J.K. Dobbins, he only got three times. And, you know, those three touches were pretty good. He showed great balance on two of the plays, was able to get 13 yards on that one play, secure the first down, and then was able to ice the rest of the time, get the first down with the 44-yard run at the end of the game. And uh, Edwards was in there, and, um, you know, I think Chris called him the closer, right? Like, the guy, I'm not saying he's not talented. It's just whenever I saw Dobbins in there, I was like, I want to see more of this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, I... I kind of really love the role that Edwards has carved out on this team uh, ever since we brought in Ingram and that he's kind of like a poor man's Derrick Henry, but he only has to play for like one quarter to really be effective, right? (laughs) Because like you you put him in in the fourth quarter and you know the Raven, like you know the Raven, you're not catching up, right? Like you're just going to run behind Edwards and and he's going to be good for four or five yards and occasionally he's going to break off a big one. And it it seems like almost every game he's, he's always good for one big run at the end of the game to basically seal it. And same thing happened with the Texans. And though, again, I was just a little upset that he didn't get that touchdown because I could have really used that bull prediction. <laughs> but say la vie. 
but yeah, I, I do think it's interesting, Alec. You know, we talked about it in some of the off-season episodes about like you know how much of the uh, snap count is Dobbins going to take. Again, it's it's a little bit difficult with with how many weapons there are on this offense. But in general, I I kind of like where the coaching staff is going, at least where I think they're going with it. In that Ingram's still the starter, Dobbins is kind of there to spell him for you know, and they basically rotate for the first. Uh, three quarters or so you might even see Edwards in there a little bit uh for the first three quarters but generally speaking I think the first half is kind of Ingram and Dobbins it's their show and then fourth quarter when they know the game is out of reach just put in Edwards hands like he will take you to the end he will close close the game out for you you know I I'd rather not get a person like Dobbins like hurt on on some free play when we know that the game's already away I want to use him to when the game is competitive and just rely on Edwards being a beast and just closing out the game. Yeah, I, I agree with Chris. I think that Angram's the, the guy you're going to have at the beginning. Edwards is the finisher. And I think Dobbins is a guy we're going to see a lot of in, in games where it's going to be back and forth. I think he's, I think, I think they're saving him what they've done so far with him is they're trying not to get too much game film on him for teams and, keep his legs a bit fresh for, you know, later on when we've got these bigger games against, you know, Kansas City and Pittsburgh and and New England. So we'll see. Even though in his limited number of times with the ball, only three, he still had a, a home run play. So, <laughs> right. Well, I, I, I'd argue he had two home run plays, right? Like he was almost dead to rights and then he was able to, you know, get out of the, the tumble he was in and get it upright and get 13 yards, right? Like Jake Dobbins is definitely a, a talented player. There's a lot of reasons to understand the Ravens picking him at 55. I'm agreeing with you guys. I think that they're trying to save this guy. They're trying to save the film on him. They're trying to use him in, in very uh, key situations and, and just in the beginning of the game, right? Maybe not close with him per se. Yeah. I think he's special. I think every time I watch him play, it's not just as a fancy owner. I'm just like, damn he's really good <laughs> like understood why they they felt like he had a jump on their board and and he had to be selected at 55 like don't take an area of need take the guy who's the best on the board and that was Dobbins I'm, I'm seeing it I'm for sure seeing it so it's it's exciting I think the Ravens are going to be able to turn it on later on in the year use this guy keep him fresh you know rookies always have that hard time especially with this weird preseason with COVID Saving his legs is not a bad idea. We're seeing injuries all around the league. It's okay if we if we save our guys. Yeah. One little bit different take here. I think that I just wanted to bring up. I didn't. I wasn't sure if you guys were aware of this or not, but I, I'm not sure how concerned I am for this. But it was something that I did notice, and that there were probably two or three plays that I noticed that Dobbins was on the field, and there was sort of like extra communication happening between him and yeah. Lamar. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if that was like Dobbins wasn't familiar with the play, or maybe it was something like Lamar was doing some sort of audible, and Dobbins just hasn't had the experience, the NFL experience, to be able to quite grasp <laughs> some of the stuff that Lamar is doing. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on, and that we don't want Dobbins to be the, the weak link and yeah. you know a play where Lamar is going to audible to something else, and he's going to like you know totally whiff on a block, and Lamar is going to get sacked or something, right? Fortunately, I don't think it came to that. You know, I believe one of the audibles he kind of sent Dobbins out wide, and then ended up basically signaling him to block for another receiver downfield, and he actually did it, and it was great. Um, yes, 
but it's something you know definitely keep in mind of like you know he's a rookie you know as much as you know uh, i think some of the coaching staff is is saying that, like this guy's a sponge and is really passionate and just wants to learn everything like he's still a rookie there are mm-hmm. some growing pains and although he's very uh, eager to learn everything you know there there could be some mental lapses there so it's something to keep an eye out yeah thanks for bringing uh, that up chris because that was one things i was thinking about and had written down is that you know both him and edwards had times in pass pro that were not perfect and I saw the same plays that you did where Lamar was kind of like <laughs> stepping him aside, be like, Hey man, like you need to go here. Let me pull your Jersey. Like you need to be here. You need to do this. Those definitely happen again. The past pro, they both had times where they were a little bit more vulnerable. So if you're looking at it from that perspective of, Oh, who we want there in past pro, you can take either because they both do. Okay. So far. And I, I saw him running some routes with Edwards, right? Like they're not, they're definitely not trying to be a, you know, one side team when any one running back is out there. They're trying to bring them in in both passing and running situations so that you can't just say, oh, Edwards is out there, they're definitely running. Or, oh, Ingram or Dobbins out there, are definitely passing or, you know, trying to use that player. That's not the case. They're all basically equal. Going back to what you said, uh, you guys saying about injuries, uh, unfortunately, we did have a kind of important one on the defense. Uh, Tavon Young. Man, what so unfortunate this guy, you know, missed most, if not all, of his rookie year. I can't remember. No, it's not his rookie year. Second year in the league, right? Yep. Second mm-hmm. year. And then, obviously, we know last year was a lost year for him. And, unfortunately, they're saying he's he's done for the year again, man. And he's, obviously, with, with Brandon Carr gone and, and from last year and Earl Thomas, Depth was a little shakier at that position than last year. Um, we even noted it in the season preview. We, we, you know, I remember we were like, that's a small amount of corners the team's uh, carrying. And unfortunately, Tavon Young is has played his last down for this season of football. Yeah, it's a big shame. You know, I I read something somewhere where you know they were like, you know, Tavon's like the next Webb. I'd argue Tavon's is is probably even in a worse position than Webb. I mean, Webb really only missed uh, two seasons. I think he missed part of his rookie season with an ACL injury. Didn't really get healthy and really strong until 2011 and then had another injured season in in 2012, only played about six games in that. But beyond that, actually, he was kind of healthy for the back end of his career. I'm sure the switch to safety kind of helped him. But yeah, I mean, Tavon, we're already talking three years out of the league. You know, uh, it's going to be really tough for him to come back for sure. I'm not exactly sure how the the financials are going to work out, whether, you know, it might make sense to move on from him. You know, it's too early to talk about that, but, you know, it's it's definitely something that could be on the team's radar if if it's not already right now. It's super unfortunate. Like you said, Chris, three out of the five years this guy's been on the field, effectively he's missed. Uh, He had a, a knee injury before, then the neck injury, another knee injury this year. And you look at this guy, he was one of the guys we extended early. And put a lot of trust in. And he's just been getting injured. It's so unfortunate for him. He's a key player. The Ravens played nickel most of the snaps yesterday. And they they didn't even play their base defense, right? Like, nickel is effectively the base defense now. So the nickel corner, the slot corner, is incredibly important, right? They're, they're essentially a starter. And we lost that guy. We lost that guy to an ACL injury. And we don't have an adequate replacement. 
right? So what, what are they going to do next? Well, there's a couple options. They can bring in Marlon Humphrey to play the slot now, like they did last year, have Jimmy play the outside corner. They can have Averett come in. They can uh, start utilizing their practice squad. They can start bringing in Geno Stone so that Jimmy can play more of the cornerback positions and not have to worry about safety. They can bring in Nigel Warrior to try and pick up some of these snaps. They have, uh, you know, the possibility to pick up another guy off another team, right? If they're so inclined off their practice squad that they might have fancied. But yeah, I mean, this is a huge problem. Like, this is one of the number one players the Ravens lost. Like, him, Stanley, obviously Lamar. Like, these are huge cornerstone players that affect everything around them, right? It's not just losing one player. It's losing the production of other players, too. So, huge loss for the Ravens. And uh, I'm curious to see how they go forward. I'm assuming that they're going to just, you know, bring Marlon Humphrey into the slot, play more Jimmy Smith on the outside, a little bit of Averett, and obviously pull up Geno Stone or uh, Nigel Warrior to the 53-man roster. I think that's the way they go forward. Yeah, um, I can see them doing that. I think also what's most likely is it'll be a couple weeks of trying a couple players out at that position. So wishing the best for Tavon and that, Somehow, after this huge setback, he can continue his NFL career in some capacity, uh, whether that be with the Ravens or another team. But I think one thing we do have to feel good about, though, is the two guys ahead of him on the depth chart, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, they're playing like one of the best, if not the best, cornerback tandems in Ravens history right now. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, they both were responsible for the two turnovers. Uh, Peters with phenomenal interception and then uh the best right hook outside of boxing knocking out that ball and make another fumble for uh lj Fort to scoop up and score with yeah i absolutely love that uh you know that peters has really found a home here in baltimore i know tons of people around the league i think we're very concerned about him and you know oh he gambles too much or he makes you know he gets beat on too many plays you know it just seems like with the ravens man he's just found a system where he can be very calculated about which gambles he does take i mean you look at that the the route combinations of of that play and you know peters was covering a guy who was who was in the flat he wasn't he wasn't going anywhere he wasn't doing a wheel route or anything it was just a very simple flat route so he knew it's like look you know i can take this gamble here because i know if even if i even if I miss it and he throws this guy in the flat, somebody's going to tackle mm-hmm. him, right? They're going to be able to recover pretty quickly. It's not a big deal. And I mean, hell sure enough, like, you know, he just, he baited Watson into that the whole way. He knew as soon as he saw his guy running in the flat, he's like, I know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And just a absolutely beautiful, beautiful play to be able to turn around and kind of come back to the ball. It was, uh, it's, man, I, I haven't seen, <laughs> I haven't seen anything like that since like Reed's been playing, man. And it's yeah. really exciting. He's, Reed was absolutely one of my favorite players. You guys know that. It's about trust, man. It's He sees all those guys around him. He knows they're all competent. So he feels as though he can make that gamble, like you said, with confidence, right? The worst thing that happens is he doesn't get a pick and the guy gets secured maybe a yard or two later. It's not a huge gamble, but he's able to make such a huge effect with those plays. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate, you know, out of all that. It was a beautiful interception, and unfortunately, because of the some of the O-line struggles that we talked about earlier, unfortunately, the Ravens couldn't turn that into points. But, you know, you better believe that happens again. I think the Ravens are, are definitely going to try and make the most of that. Another part of the Ravens' defense that was working very well on Sunday was uh, the pass rush. 
Uh, they only got four sacks officially on Watson, but you still had five QB hits in addition to that, three passes defended. You know, I think we would have liked to see a, a bit more of the in the total sack number, but I still think, you know, even though you didn't get as many as maybe you would have expected, that the pass rush was incredibly effective. Yeah, my bold prediction was for six. The stat sheet says four. I said five. I guess when the quarterback gives up and starts scrambling, if you tackle him behind the line of scrimmage, it doesn't count as a sack. I don't know if that's a rule or not. But I counted five behind the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, tumbles by Mr. Watson. But whatever, four, not six. I'll give it up. But I do want to talk about the fact that in my calculation, 16 plays, um, the pass rush was able to affect the play. The ball came out early, or you got a quarterback hit, or we got a sack, etc. right? So that's 16 plays. He only dropped back um, upwards of 39 times, I think. So you're talking about almost half the times he dropped back, something bad happened, right? Or good for from a Ravens perspective. So I think that was really effective. Like we said last week, while we were looking, you know, sacks are nice. As long as the pressure was coming, we'd be comfortable with the team able to generate pressure. I think they did that. Yeah, I think Wink talked about some of this last year too and that, you know, sometimes the sacks don't come, but the hits are there. And so, you know, for him, it's just kind of like, you know, the system's working like the sacks are going to come right you know in his eyes like as long as they're getting good pressure and they're getting the hits like they're going to be able to finish at some point so yeah overall i kind of agree with you guys i think for the most part it was kind of like that there are only a few plays that you know i wish that some of our linebackers would kind of finish the job like that you know, I think that was that one throwaway that Watson had where Jihad Ward had Watson dead to rights. Like, he had him by the jersey. And unfortunately, Watson was just too strong and, you know, Ward wasn't able to bring him down. Um, you know, stuff like that, you know, where you wish, like, you know, I just wish he could just bring him down. You know, we've, uh, you know, we've, sp- we've seen plenty of those plays over the years, especially with guys like Ben Roethlisberger, who's been historically difficult to get down, even with the Ravens having guys like Terrell Suggs and Ray Lewis, like he's still able to find ways to avoid these guys. And, uh, you know, it, it gives the Ravens some trouble, but, um, you know, I, I think we're definitely trending in the right direction. Uh, I, I think the, uh, the performance by those guys is definitely noticed. I think it was a lot better than week one. And so I think signs are, are pointing really well. One other thing I kind of wanted to bring up too when we're talking about the pass rushes, I noted this, uh, I think, early in the game of, of Patrick Queen, man, is just such a good blitzer. You know, I'm, I'm really happy that we picked him up because I'm thinking right now, based on what I'm seeing, like, I'd say Queen is almost a better blitzer than Peanut was. And Peanut was pretty good in the role when he was in that role specifically. He was actually a fairly good blitzer. And a queen, I think, kind of has that already, but we also know that he's just so good in coverage, and it's just amazing to see. Like, I, I'm just waiting for this guy to start to get some more, you know, turnovers, some more sacks, because I think it's coming, man. I, I think he's been re- doing a really good job these first few weeks. Well, he's getting the QB hits, he's getting the pressures, he's getting the sacks that you're talking about, man. And uh, I, I'm going to call it right now. I think Queen's going to be the Ingram of this year, where I eat my words. You know, I was a little kind of nonplussed by them taking him at that spot uh middle linebacker we kind of have found as uh probably the defensive equivalent to running back on the offensive side of just like kind of replaceable 
But this guy's special. I'm watching him and I'm thinking, okay, he might be special. So fair enough. Bring him in. Let's win a Super Bowl. Yeah, well, I think you've already, uh, J.K. Dobbins has already made you eat your words on that pick too. So it's, it's been I'm my words a lot with these years. top two picks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you know, if, if the Ravens just keep winning, you know, I, you can't say anything bad about them, right? <laughs> well, it's something to be said about special players and i think i think i've been getting caught up i've been swaying towards let's find players of positional value let's find where second contracts make sense right and traditionally running back and linebacker aren't those players you don't want to give them second contracts they demand too much money and you can find you know cost per dollar like they're more replaceable but when you could bring in a special player like that for their rookie contract it can be a huge bonus, a huge boon for a team like the Ravens, who are kind of set, right? We're already wondering, before this year's draft picks, how do we resign all these guys? How do we keep them on the roster? And in short, we probably don't, right? We're going to lose some of them. So when you have that kind of roster composition, to be able to spend two picks, bam, bam, and be like, you know what? Even if we don't resign you, you're going to bring great value for the next four years. That's huge, too. That's, that's something to be, if you can identify that as an organization and make those kind of picks that benefits you rather than being the team who made those picks earlier spends their money there and then are stuck when the other players come around and they can't pay for them yeah excellent point yeah i i I agree with what you're saying i think yeah there's certainly a lot of of good conversation in talking about the the value of that of the players on additional contracts but there's still that first contract, and they they still got doing those things there too. So yeah, no, exactly right. You can't discount the first contract, particularly when you're in such a critical position. Like this is the window. We love talking about the window, the window, the window, the window. No COVID, you can't stop the window, right? Like <laughs> this is it. We got Lamar Jackson, the best quarterback in the league, on a rookie contract. We must win, right? Like we must get a Super Bowl out of this, right? Like that's that's the position the team's in, and you know what? With the other great draft picks we've made during this time, we can say, you know what, this year we're going to draft players of need, players that are going to be special in their spot that may not be worth a second contract. We'll see. But you know what? They're going to be a huge impact right now. And it gets me excited. It's just it's one of those things where I'm like, to cost us, why we pay you the big bucks? Like, please stick around. You're doing a great job. Yeah. Well, all right. Before we get to our MVPs, I think we we should touch on special teams. You know, as always, guys, the Wolfpack is, you know, well, the Wolfpack. I mean, uh, absolutely great. Tucker made four field goals, absolutely all right down the middle, except for the one. I think the one was a little, little, little close. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> you know, Tucker's adding some little bit of drama in there. We talked about how that happens last year, you know, from time to time. But absolutely fantastic. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what more we want to touch on here. I mean... There's not much to say about Tucker, but it's still worth mentioning as we've seen, you know, definitely some more kicking woes coming around the league. And even though Tucker's not getting as many reps as he usually does, uh, you know, between last year and how this year started, he's still he's still able to get them all in when he he's needed. Tucker's the greatest of all time. Continue. Uh, Cook, two punts. That's it. We love when you see you, but it's even better when we don't see you, right? Like, <laughs> obviously, the offense is cooking. Wolfpack did a great job. Yeah, and, th- and not too much from our rookies, uh, Prochet and Duvernay, at least on in terms of return game. 
you know, I haven't seen Prochet fumble a ball, so that's great. I mean, he's got good hands. I mean, that was one of his biggest traits coming out of college. So, uh, so we're definitely glad to uh, to not have any negative plays. I mean, certainly we've had some of those in in the the recent past. We're hoping that one of those two guys will be able to break some big returns at, at some point. They're playing well. I think overall, Duvernay and Prochet are an upgrade from what we had last year. They're going to be able to produce on offense. So overall, in that win, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them break one this year. But overall, like nothing negative other than. The only negative I have is when Prochet didn't fair catch the one ball, but that was just a strange flex, so the Ravens go 99 yards. So, as we discussed last week, totally fine. <laughs> well, do you guys want to move on to the MVPs? It's tough. Yeah. It's just like last last week. There's so many good options. I'm going to go with a, a guy who might not be the, the most obvious one to pick, but I, I think, you know, when your position group, struggles if you're doing well you're going to stand out a little more i'm still not an expert in the offensive line but i thought bradley bozeman played a really good game yesterday he had some really key blocks in both the run game and the passing game if you go back and look at the the play chris was mentioning earlier with with the duvernay cross and the ball that went to engram uh bozeman had an excellent downfield block that really helped that play get a first down it was really effective on a lot of the pool blocks Really good game for Bozeman from my perspective. So he gets mine. Whenever you don't notice a guy on the offensive line, it's probably a good day for them. I agree. Bradley Bozeman had a great game. I'm going to go in and say Marlon Humphrey for coming in as a slot corner for most of the game. Tavon Young went down early. Was still able to create great pass defense and generate a fumble that led into a defensive touchdown. So I think for that, he gets my MVP. Nice. Nice. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go LJ Fort, man. Uh, you know, although he didn't wasn't in too many plays, obviously Queen and Harrison are, are still kind of the starters here. I just gotta give it to Ford for having the uh, you know the heads up play for him to scoop that uh, Marlon Humphrey fumble and take it into the house. I mean, <laughs> I feel like it's kind of rare to see a linebacker like that just have like an excellent just like ability to scoop up the football seamlessly and just continue running and then dive for the pile on like a running back. It was just you know, it was really great to see especially for a guy like Fort who's been around the league for a while for many many different teams. I know the, you know, his teammates are very happy that, you know, he was kind of in the spotlight this week and and uh, I want to recognize him for it too. I'm glad you did, Chris, because it's funny. When he was returning it back, I was like, you got to give it to someone faster. Give it to someone faster. You're not going to make it. <laughs> and then he made it, and I was like, all right, you made it. Good good for you. Because <laughs> I was like watching him like, there's no way he gets all these yards, and he just rumbled all the way there. Yeah. <laughs> On that right. note, I think we're going to close off our discussion of last week's game, and hopefully next week we're dissecting an excellent win by this Raven squad over the defending Super Bowl champs. I hope so. Between now and then, it'd be great if you gave us a subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, wherever you find our podcast. Letting a friend know, go far and wide. I told a guy in New Jersey about our podcast. So, you know, wherever you can find someone, we recommend you let them know. Raven's Recap is here to provide. We'll be back later this week with the chiefs preview pretty excited about the game we've been talking about it since week one maybe even in the preseason so we're hyped monday night football it's a shame that no one will be at the bank but we'll be hyping them up from afar go ravens
I mean, anything you want to bring up with special teams? I mean, Tucker's still a beast. Tucker's a goat. Yeah, that's basically it. No, not a <laughs> not a goat. The goat. <laughs> Got to be very clear on this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that needs to be left in the show. <laughs> yeah. 